Hello and welcome to your Actives Beyond the Byline podcast. I am Evikiori and this week we are presenting a special edition of the Beyond the Byline podcast since this episode is focusing on our Commission's President Ursula von der Leyen's State of the Union speech. Topics of the EU agenda and the progress made were addressed by the President and to break down the most important components of the speech, I am joined today by your Actives editorial team who have all the background information on health, digital, transport, environment slash energy, rule of law slash democracy, and economy. It sounds like a long journey, so let's dive into it. The very first topic touched by President Ursula von der Leyen was health. And to hear all the background information on the points made, I am joined today by Euractiv's health reporter, Gidre Peseskite. So, Gidre, let's listen to what the President had to say, and maybe you can tell us a bit more on that. I am proposing a new health preparedness and resilience mission for the whole of the European Union, and it should be backed up by Team Europe investment of 50 billion by 2027 to make sure that no virus will ever turn a local epidemic again in a global pandemic. There is no better return on investment than that. But the focus was not only on what has been done or on what we have right at this moment, but also on the future, what we can hear from this quote. And it seems that the Commission is ambitious to continue strengthening the European Health Union. What the President said is that EU already has it all, innovation, scientific capacity, the private sector knowledge, and competent national authorities. And what is missing is a massive funding to bring it all together. So these 50, uh, these 50 billion euros should be this glue, that reinforcement to strengthen the health mission in the bloc. And Ursula von der Leyen mentioned a new health authority, which is known as HERA, during her speech, Gidre. What is the story behind this new program? Uh, so for the background, for those who didn't follow it closely, HERA should become a key factor in strengthening Europe's ability to prevent, detect and rapidly respond to cross-border health emergencies. And it should function as a structure within the European Commission. Uh, it will be formally adopted on Thursday, 16th September, and will become fully operational by early 2022. Oh, okay, so we're already talking about an immediate uh, introduction of the program. Okay, but what were the reactions from the MEPs on this? This didn't charm the MEPs, or at least not all of them. For example, Tara Hadviger, an uh, MEP assistant for Timo Volken, tweeted that it is a bit weird, fake, that President von der Leyen first praises the cooperation with Parliament, and then mentions HERA, where the EP is actively excluded by using Article 122, under which the European Parliament is not involved to sign off. And uh, Ursula's boost went on for the Parliament, starting with a vaccination campaign and ending with the EU Digital COVID Certificate. For example, she said, I quote, so while the rest of the world was talking about it, Europe just did it. We did a lot of things right. And when it comes to vaccination campaign, she said, I quote, we did it right way because we did it European way, and I think it worked. The vaccination process was one of the success stories that was mentioned very early during the speech. And actually, uh, President Ursula von der Leyen said that the EU is donating vaccines to other states and uh, continents. What's your take on that? So therefore, the EU is committed to share 
250 million doses of vaccine, as we already knew. Uh, but additionally, the president announced today that another 200 million doses will be donated until the middle of the next year. And to speed up the vaccination rates outside of the block, Team Europe is investing 1 billion euros to ramp up mRNA production capacity in Africa. So at the moment, the EU has 1.8 billion additional COVID-19 vaccine doses already secured. And Wonderline urged continuing vaccination campaigns within the bloc. And now we're moving to one of the main topics during von der Leyen's speech, digital and cyber, and specifically the key role they have in defense. We cannot talk about defense without talking about cyber. If everything is connected, everything can be hacked. So cybersecurity has become one of the priorities for the European Commission. Uh, in particular, this proposal is going to set up uh, standards, uh, cyber security standards for connected devices. Um, for example, we've seen in the past that smart homes or uh, smart cards could be hacked. Setting up minimum standards is precisely going to fill in this um, legislative gap. To explain a bit better the components of the president's speech related to the digital sphere, I spoke with our digital and media editor, Luca Bertuzzi. So, Luca, the president called for unity. And the aim is to jointly create a state-of-the-art European chip ecosystem, including production, that ensures our security of supply and will develop new markets for groundbreaking European tech. The key point here is that there is an acknowledgement that connectivity in general makes us more vulnerable as well. And being the European economy a very open economy, it is also very much vulnerable to cyber attacks that we have seen in the past months have increasingly targeted critical infrastructures such as hospitals, uh, food supply chains in the US. So. Uh, the other aspect that the Commission is addressing uh, now is the, the supply chain on semiconductors. There is currently a dire uh, shortage of global, uh, at the global level of uh, chips that are part of all electronic devices. Uh, the idea is that uh, European leaders now want to boost domestic capacity of semiconductors after that uh, Asian and American producers have taken the lead in this sector. Uh, the announcement of the CHIPS Act is uh, quite a new approach because before uh, the entire uh, narrative was about production and internal capacity, but the supply chain for semiconductors is much more complex than that. Uh, so, uh, Commissioner Breton uh, recognized this, anticipating that the CHIPS Act concentrate not only on production, but also on research and on uh, diversifying uh, geographically the supply chains at the international level. And speaking of semiconductors and the chip shortage, let's hear what the president had to say and let's hear our transport reporter, Sean Galdin-Carroll, on how this shortage is affecting transport. But allow me to focus on semiconductors for a moment. These tiny chips that make everything work, from smartphones 
to electric scooters, from trains, to entire smart factories. There is no digital without those chips. So while transport was far from the focus of this year's State of the Union address, it did come up uh, a number of times. Firstly, President von der Leyen mentioned Europe's semiconductor shortage, which has an impact, of course, on a number of transport modes, such as trains and even electric scooters, but uh, it has a particular impact on the production of electric vehicles. So these uh, semiconductors, these high-tech chips, they're going to become even more in demand as vehicles become uh, increasingly autonomous and as the technology becomes more sophisticated. So uh, if Europe wants to move away from internal combustion engines, which, which is its stated aim, uh, primarily towards electric cars, um, then the bottom line is we're going to need more semiconductors. And in her speech, uh, President von der Leyen expressed frustration at Europe's reliance on Asia for these chips, and she called for greater tech sovereignty. She said the Commission will present a new uh, European Chips Act, which aims to make the, the whole supply chain um, a more European affair. Uh, transport was also mentioned in the context of Fit for 55, the EU's plans to reduce carbon emissions by 55% by 2030 compared to 1990 levels. Um, von der Leyen said that Europe will have smarter cars and cleaner planes in the future. Uh, the part about cleaner planes is likely a reference to refuel EU, which is just one of the Commission's proposals to try and reduce uh, carbon emissions from flying. Refuel EU would make it mandatory for airplanes refueling at EU airports to use fuel with a set percentage of SAFs or sustainable aviation fuels blended in with the kerosene. Uh, it was also mentioned that more electric vehicles than diesel cars are registered in Germany so far this year. And von der Leyen also put an emphasis on Poland as a manufacturing hub for car batteries and electric buses. So this serves to show how you know, EU policy is driving real world change in the field of transport and that Europe uh, is at the forefront of the green revolution in transport. And do you have any scoops that may interest our transport funds, uh, Sean? And finally, a transport debate was settled thanks to the State of the Union address. So prior to today's announcement, uh, the aviation industry had been lobbying for next year to be the European year of aviation. This was supported by the Parliament's centre-right EPP group, who saw it as a way to help the airline industry bounce back after its revenues plunged during the pandemic. Of course, you'll recall that at the outset of COVID, the industry basically came to uh, a standstill. However, the rail industry wanted 2022 to be an extension of the current uh, European year of rail. So they argued that COVID restrictions meant that rail couldn't be properly celebrated in 2021. So it made sense to roll it over to 2022 so that they could do all the things that they wanted to do at the start of this year. But of course, it was announced that uh, it would be it would be neither. So 2022 will, in fact, be the year of European youth. So um, this is good news uh, for, for young people, but it perhaps it will cause a little bit of disappointment for those who want to see the spotlight on a transport mode again next year. You can find your Uractive's Beyond the Byline podcast in our brand new podcast newsletter. Subscribe to it on youractive.com slash newsletters. And if you want to expand your knowledge on other EU policy fields, you can listen to our Digital Brief podcast and AgriFood Brief podcast.
now moving on the environmental side of the speech, I am joined by Euractiv's environment and energy journalist, Kira Taylor, to reflect on von der Leyen's main points on environment. So Kira, the president called for support of the least developed countries. While every country has a responsibility, major economies like us do have a special duty to the least developed and the most vulnerable countries. So-called climate finance is essential for them, both for mitigation and adaptation. Closing the climate finance gap together, the US and the European Union, would be such a strong signal for global climate leadership, and it is time to deliver now. We have no time to wait anymore. So all countries need to cut down their greenhouse gas emissions by 2050, by mid-century, but really they need to do that as quickly as possible. But for developing countries and vulnerable countries, they don't have the money to be able to do that. And also, they are the most hit by climate change, so they need to adapt the quickest. Right, but all this sounds familiar, right? What was the new point brought during the speech, Kira? Um, so the only real announcement for Energy and Environment Day was on spending. Uh, President von der Leyen announced €4 billion Euros extra until 2027, on top of the current $25 billion per year, and also a doubling of spending on biodiversity abroad. Now that's going to be key going into the COP26 climate summit in November, where you're already seeing a divide between the world's richest countries, which have access to vaccines and access to technology, which can help them cut their emissions, and the poorest countries and the most vulnerable to climate change, which have a real lack of vaccines and are not able to deal with the climate crisis, which is hitting them the hardest. So, I mean, we're already hearing from people who are following COP26 that there is a risk of a lack of trust between these, these countries. Um, but really, the world's richest need to get those countries on board in order to cut greenhouse gas uh, emissions enough to, to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees above pre-industrial levels. And do we have a timeline for the implementation of this plan? Or is this something that we, are, we will keep seeing? Um, it kind of goes on forever, really. I mean, we need a lot of finance now for countries to cut down emissions as quickly as possible. But, you know, you need to keep funding this and, until you reach net zero, really. It's going to cost a lot of money for the entire world to get there. Now, moving to rule of law and democracy, President von der Leyen made it clear that Europe will not tolerate the violation of its values and its laws. To get a grasp on that, I spoke with your actives, Vlad Maximov. Welcome back, Vlad. Uh, what were the main points here? Hi, Eva. It's, uh, it's good to be here again. Well, on rule of law and democracy, you know, we've had some very strong points in the speech and then some things that really did not deliver. Uh, let's start with the upsides. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, I think one of the most interesting moments was um, uh, her sentence where she said that dialogue always comes first, but dialogue is not an end in itself. Now, this particular snippet Serves, seems to serve a dual purpose. On the one hand, it seems to be uh, responding to something very actual politic, uh, very very on the agenda, and it seems to be a direct response to Merkel's uh, visit to uh, Poland um, at the end of last week, uh, where she was saying, uh, you know, she's doing her goodbye trips, round trips before before leaving the position, and I mean that that trip was controversial in a lot of ways, but perhaps one of the most controversial uh, moments was when she said that the beef between the Commission and Poland should be resolved through dialogue 
and um, talks. Um, and, and this particular snippet seems to be a direct response to that. The dialogue is well and good, but it's not enough. <laughs> to add on top of that, this particular part of the speech was actually delivered in German um, on the floor. So it, it really seems like a little bit of, you know, um, if not tension, but certainly sort of... Uh, Conflicted ideas. That's exactly it. It's, it's, she seems to be speaking to German voters and the German audience more than she's speaking to Brussels here. Another another point that I found is interesting is that she's really charting the next big battleground that I think she sees, which is the primacy of EU law. We've already talked about this last week. That's true. It was actually explained on the previous episode of our podcast. So what is the main take on that? There seems to be have uh, like multiple challenges to... Uh, the primacy of EU law coming from different member states, uh, from Germany, from Karlsruhe, certainly from Poland, uh, where the Constitutional Tribunal has essentially proclaimed that in certain cases uh, the Polish Constitution uh, supersedes uh, EU law. Um, and, you know, all of these questions also make people worry, well, who's going to be next? Is Hungary going to start questioning uh, questioning uh, the primacy of EU law and what what will that mean? So I think I think her reference to the fact that the European Court of Justice is uh, the one that safeguards uh, our legal order and our union and their judgments are binding uh, is a message that uh, that the Commission will not be able to compromise on any of these things. And another promise she made uh, is also a direct response to the criticism on her uh, to uh, um, criticism uh, on her. Uh, uh, rule of law track record, and that is the rule of law reports, um, the thing that we hear over and over again, well, how, how useful are these things? What Are they actually bringing any change? And she said that from now on, they will include concrete recommendations and more concrete policy proposals to member states on what to reform and how to reform it. We go back to square one. Okay, there will be recommendations. What will happen if the recommendations are not followed? And uh, this is the link that she has not made in the speech. Now, from the positives to the negatives. <laughs> um, it's uh, really, uh, she really did not deliver on the rule of law conditionality. What we got more are more platitudes, more commitments to pursue every and single breach uh, in, uh, uh, by member states uh, that uh, in rule of law that can affect uh, the EU budget. Um, but these are commitments we've heard before. What we haven't heard is a timeline for uh, the guidelines. It's not uh, a timeline for bringing cases. You know, uh, different commissioners, uh, Eurova and Reindeers, have said different things in the past. What we don't know is when and where will we see action against member states that don't follow rule of law in a way that directly and sufficiently affects the EU budget as the way the regulation is phased, uh, phrased. So, yeah, that's my brief take on it. And wrapping up our wandering on different EU topics, we move to economy. And to break down the most important points, I am joined by Euractiv's economy and jobs reporter, Jorge Valero. Jorge, what's your comment on the speech? I would rather say that um, uh, more than uh, about the specific uh, proposals or initiatives or even uh, blocks, uh, it was more, I mean, rather about the approach and the tone. Uh, this speech, uh, for me, it was about uh, touting the uh, success uh, that uh, we collectively, the EU, Commission, Parliament and Member States, uh, 
achieved over the past year in, in the fight against the pandemic um, uh, with the uh, vaccine strategy, the vaccination campaigns, the recovery fund, the COVID certificate that helped to facilitate the uh, uh, the the return to to the normal life and, and and the opening up of the economic activity and the mobility and this was very much present in 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 the von der Leyen speech uh, she wanted to defend uh, her record uh, because of the uh, criticism uh, directed at her at the beginning of of this uh, pandemic uh, or early this year especially uh, when there were problems with uh, AstraZeneca. And and then um, she dedicated an, an important part of the speech to this. And also, uh, I would say that uh, she she uh, just uh, briefly mentioned other issues that, for me, are are the big challenges ahead, namely the um, the stability and growth pact review, uh, the fiscal rules uh, that control the deficit and the debt of the member states, uh, the migration package how to uh, reconcile uh, the green transition with the uh, well-being and, and, and the economic cost for, for citizens. Uh, these are all big issues that uh, the Commission will face in the second part of the mandate. But more than talking about these issues, she basically defended her, her record over the, over the past uh, months. And on the economic part of the speech, what is that grasped your attention? I would say that for me it was a bit surprising uh, the lack of details that she gave about the, the stability and growth pact review because uh, she just gave uh, basically a couple of sentences to, to this very important debate, a very important battle that basically it's going to determine how, uh, at what speed the member states reduce the public debt and therefore what adjustments they need to, to implement to, to uh to rein in the, the public uh, deficit and debts and therefore the austerity that the, the citizens will suffer in the years to come. Um, the, the commission is going to open the, the uh, to relaunch the public consultation uh, probably in October and at the same time try to build consensus among the member states because there are uh, it's a very uh, controversial issue. So let's see what happens. So maybe be, since uh, the consensus is so low in on this issue, I think she didn't want to uh, uh, to trigger uh, a very strong response from capitals by uh, giving a uh, let's say a hint on on what the commission intends to do. And our time is up for this week. I am Evikiori, and this was your Actives Beyond the Byline podcast. We will be back on your feed next week. Until then, subscribe to our podcast newsletter and visit youractive.com for the latest news. And don't forget to listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Thank you very much for listening. Music